Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 20. We are going to complete, by God's grace, the book of Judges today. I'm going to do both chapter 20 and chapter 21. So there's a lot of narrative here to read here this morning. And uh, we're partway into a narrative in this closing part of Judges about a man whose concubine was sexually abused to death by a pack of sodomites. And so far we've seen their despicable behavior and how they murdered this woman. And we just ended chapter 19 where he took her body, cut it into 12 pieces limb by limb, and sent the body parts to the 12 tribes of Israel. And today we will complete this narrative in the book of Judges itself. So why don't we stand for the reading of God's word. Do we have some feedback here coming through? Or is that just me? It's good? All right, let's pray. Father, we rejoice in you and thank you that you have preserved your scriptures so that we can know your ways and your thoughts. And we ask that your blessing be upon your word as we read it here This morning, as we learn from it, and as I declare that which you've given me to preach, use it to the glory of your name, I ask, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hallelujah. Could be seated. In the first two chapters of chapter 20, it says, So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, as well as from the land of Gilead, and the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mizpah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. From these first two verses here, I want you to notice two things. Notice first that the body parts got their attention. The body parts of this concubine got the people's attention and 400,000 men who drew the sword rallied in response to this great evil. Secondly, notice that their leaders, their magistrates, did their duty and rallied the people and rallied with the people and the people rallied to their leaders. These leaders, these magistrates, are the representative heads of the 11 tribes. They had a duty to respond to evil and they are seen here in verse 2, doing their duty. Only the leaders in Benjamin, who housed the Sodomites, did not do their duty, as we will see here as we continue in the narrative. Verses 3 through 7 says, Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. Then the children of Israel said, Tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? So the Levite The husband of the woman who was murdered answered and said, My concubine and I went into Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. Belongs to the tribe of Benjamin. Gibeah does. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished my concubine so that she died. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. Look, all of you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here and now. What we learn from this passage 
here in verses 3 through 7 is that we must investigate. When something is done that is wrong or improper or evil, we must investigate. So the Levite whose concubine was murdered by the pack of Sodomites explains what happened to this massive gathering and gives a plea at the end in verse 7 there to take action, to do something. And notice how the children of Israel respond. Verses 8 through 11, it says, So all the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, nor will any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do. To Gibeah, we will go up against it by lot. We will take ten men out of every hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, a hundred out of every thousand, and a thousand out of every ten thousand, to make provision for the people, that when they come to Gibeah and Benjamin, they may repay all the vileness that they have done in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. Notice they took immediate action to respond to this great evil to this great injustice. Notice there was no delay. We're not going back to our houses even. We're going to deal with this immediately. Notice they knew the evil and injustice needed to be answered and rectified immediately. Verse 8 says, 40,000 men are set aside to address this evil. And verse 10 reveals that fact, and certain representatives are sent to the tribe of Benjamin to address the evil and see justice rendered. So they take immediate action. And look at verses 12 through 15. It says, Then the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now therefore deliver up the men, the perverted men. Talking about the Sodomites, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. And from their cities at that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men. Not quite the response the 11 tribes were hoping for. They decide to rally and fight. As is often the case, really most always the case, when men embrace evil, they dig in if men try to stop them from their evil. They dig in their heels. The Benjaminites will not turn over the pack of sodomites for justice. They will not stop the vileness, the lewdness in their midst. They will not curb the evil in their land. In fact, they're going to dig in their heels and are prepared to protect all the filth through the sword. The other 11 tribes were left with basically two choices. Separate from Benjamin or commence civil war. They opt for the latter, civil war, in order to maintain the Republic of Israel. And America in our day is in the same situation. Certain geographical areas are either going to separate from the United States or there will be a civil war in our country. 
There may be civil war even when certain areas do separate. I am a strong proponent of separating. States, counties, separating. But when they do, it is important that they confess and repudiate the sins of those who were corporately a, they were corporately a part of before the separation. They must also make law and policy that repudiates the evil allowed through law in the United States and or in the state they resided in or even still do reside in and establish justice once again. Confession of sin must be done by these new corporate entities. Confession and repudiation of the evils that are in our land, in our state, whatever the case may be, and proper law established, which criminalizes the murder of the preborn, criminalizes the filth of Sodom. So civil war is upon Israel, and civil war commences. Look at verses 16 through 25. Among all this people were 700 select men who were left-handed. This is talking about the Benjaminites, everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. Now besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. Then the children of Israel rose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? The Lord said, Judah first. And we've talked about that prior. Why that? It's often the case, Judah at the forefront. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah, and the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. Understand, they have 400,000 men who draw the sword. The Benjaminites have 26,700. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah, and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And the people, that is, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against them. So the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. Many wonder why the Lord allowed those taking a stand against evil to be beaten so badly these first two rounds of fighting. But I don't wonder. I believe it was for a profound reason. When you have this kind of evil, like what happened in Benjamin in the land, I can assure you there was plenty of evil to go around within the other tribes also. We know they had already entered into lawlessness, that they were doing those things which were right in their own eyes. There was plenty of evil to go around. The corrupting influence of the Canaanite people's because Israel had failed to remove them as the Lord had commanded, was probably affecting all the tribes from one extent to another in the evils that were going on. Not just Benjamin, but all the tribes may have needed some purging. 
We have seen slaughter follow blatant national sin previously in Scripture. For instance, Numbers 25. If you're taking notes, you can look at that later. Numbers 25, 1 through 12. So when sin is allowed to fester in a nation, as I said in the sermon from chapter 19, it affects everyone. The Lord apparently needed to judge them. Israel, the 11 tribes. He apparently needed to judge them and humble them also, not just Benjamin. They needed to be humbled and they needed to learn to be dependent on the Lord. And so that is why they were trounced the first two times. And look what it says in verse 26. Then all the children of Israel, after the second trouncing, then all the children of Israel, that is all the people, went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Compare that, what they're doing now, to their behavior the first two rounds. The first round, they just inquired of the Lord. He said, go. No time for prayer, crying out to God, nothing like that. They just did it, got their butts whipped. 22,000 of them are dead. They gathered together, and what does it say? In verse 22, they encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. It says, Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of them again. They had a little Sputnik prayer meeting. You know, a little formal, ceremonial-type prayer meeting. No heart, gut-wrenching thing. Something must have went wrong, you know, out there in the field of battle. Let's do something other than just ask the Lord. Let's actually pray this evening and weep. Of course, they're going to be weeping. Loved ones have been killed. But they encouraged themselves in the situation. They needed to be humbled. They needed to learn to be dependent upon the Lord. And this segment here, verse 26, where it says, Then all the children of Israel, that is all the people, went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. When I read that, it reminded me of Oliver Cromwell and the Puritans of old. And the amount of time they would put into prayer and beseeching God before they went into battle, before things were done in the legislative halls, once they took power there, sometimes they would spend three days in prayer before doing anything. They didn't just do a little ceremonial deal. Got together for 40 minutes and said, yeah, that was cool. And then I moved on. They didn't take God for granted. They were utterly dependent upon him. And brothers and sisters, we must be dependent upon him, utterly dependent upon him in our private lives. He is the vine. We are the branches. We can do nothing without him. And when it comes to public affairs, we must be utterly dependent upon him. Amen? Utterly dependent. When we stood out there knowing no one knows about this pastor, all that's been going on against him, he's been arrested 33 times, all the persecution against him. 
there in Louisiana, and we're sitting there with our measly 250 people, you can think, oh, where's this going? But we cried out to God. You cry out to God. We're utterly dependent on him. Amen? And whether, just like the Hebrew children, whether we live through the fiery furnace or die, may he be praised. Amen? So let's see what happens now after they pray, starting in verse 27. It says, So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days. Pretty amazing. When you read Numbers 25, it was Phinehas who God used to stop 20-some thousand people died, to stop what had come upon the people for the rebellion against the Lord. And Phinehas said, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. He now knew the people's hearts were right. Then Israel set men in ambush all around Gibeah, and the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in battle array against Gibeah as at the other times. So the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. They began to strike down and kill some of the people as at the other times in the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah, and in the field about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, They are defeated before us as at first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. So all the men of Israel rose from their place and put themselves in battle array at Baal Tamar. Then Israel's men in ambush burst forth from their position in the plain of Geba. And 10,000 select men from all Israel came against Gibeah, and the battle was fierce, but the Benjaminites did not know that disaster was upon them. The Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,100 Benjaminites. All these drew the sword. So this was a fainting motion where you show that you're going to defeat, that you're retreating, but you're really not. You're drawing them out so you can hit them from another angle. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. The men of Israel had given ground to the Benjaminites because they relied on the men in ambush, whom they had set against Gibeah. And the men in ambush quickly rushed upon Gibeah. The men in ambush spread out and struck the whole city with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in ambush was that they would make a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city, whereupon the men of Israel would turn in battle. Now Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about 30 of the men of Israel, for they said, Surely they are defeated before us, as in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in a column of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them, and there was the whole city going up in smoke to heaven. And when the men of Israel turned back, the men of Benjamin panicked, for they saw that disaster had come upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness, 
but the battle overtook them. And whoever came out of the cities, they destroyed in their midst. They surrounded the Benjaminites, chased them, and easily trampled them down as far as the front of Gibeah toward the east. And 18,000 men of Benjamin fell. All these were men of valor. Then they turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimon. And they cut down 5,000 of them on the highways. Then they pursued them relentlessly up to Gidim and killed 2,000 of them. So all who fell of Benjamin that day were 25,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Ramon, and they stayed at the rock of Ramon for four months. And the men of Israel turned back against the children of Benjamin and struck them down with the edge of the sword from every city, men and beasts, all who were found. They also set fire to all the cities they came to. This was a complete rout. So here we see the awful end of tolerated blatant sin. It always ends in some form of bloodshed and judgment. And it's a mercy. Awful as it is, it's a mercy when it happens because things are so bad due to the rebellion against the Lord. And America finds itself in this place in our day. The pack of sodomites are in our streets. The innocent blood of the concubine flows from America's death camps where they murder the innocent preborn. The abortion clinics and shelves of nearly every drugstore in America. The magistrates have a duty to criminalize and suppress such evil, but rather they protect the evil through law and the people accommodate themselves to the evil as they continue in their pursuit of materialism and ease. There is a bloody day of recompense headed for America. Whenever a nation is destroying itself by living in rebellion to the Lord and his law and word, there are times of respite where the people do something right. And this narrative is an example of a respite. They responded to the great evil that was going on amongst them. And that does not bode well for America. We see respites, small ones here and there in America, people taking action against evil here and there, but the bulk of national sins continues unabated. Little action seen regarding them. Certainly nothing like we saw here. And that does not bode well for America. Let's revisit this and compare. What happened with the 11 tribes versus America in our day? Whereas the body parts got the attention of the 11 tribes and 400,000 men at arms rallied, when was the last time you saw 400,000 men of arms rally on behalf of the pre-born or against the filth of Sodom here in America? The Levites showed them the body parts of the concubine. We displayed through photography at universities and busy intersections the body parts of the murdered pre-born. If you try to rally people in our day on behalf of the preborn by showing them the bloody photographs of the murdered preborn, just as the Levites showed the 
blood and body parts of that concubine. The Christians don't respond by saying, how did this wicked deed happen? As those men did when 400,000 rallied. How did this wicked deed... You don't hear that from the Christians in our day. Rather, what you hear from the Christians in our day is them saying, ooh, don't show me those bloody photographs. I'm offended that you show me that bloody picture. That's what you hear from Christians in our day. Overwhelmingly. They don't stop when you're out there and say, my God, what has happened to this child? And what can I do to help? No. They talk of their false love and how they're offended that such a photograph would be displayed. If you try to rally people in our day on behalf of the preborn, that's what you get. Here's this guy. He sent the actual bloody body parts. We only show pictures. And yet this is how they respond in our day. A godly response is seen with the 12 tribes. 400,000 men at arms rallied. Their magistrates rallied them and said, this must be dealt with. Justice must be established. Recompense must be made against the evildoers. But we get none of that, showing the bloody photographs of the murder preborn in our day. The reason we show the bloody photographs is because America needs to know it's a national sin, the murder of these little ones, that our hands are covered with blood, that we violated the law of God. And we stand guilty before him as a nation. We show the photographs because, as Ezekiel said, as the Lord said to Ezekiel, show the bloody city her abominations. As Paul said in Ephesians, expose the work of darkness. In other words, if the murder of the preborn is going to be public policy, and it is, then their suffering should be publicly displayed. And that's why we do it. So that's the first thing. They showed the body parts. What a response. We showed the body parts. What a response. Secondly, whereas their leaders, their magistrates did their duty and rallied the people and rallied with the people who wanted to do right, you don't see that in our day regarding the slaughter of the preborn and the filth of Sodom. Rather, you see the lesser magistrates, state, county, and local officials hide behind the skirt of the federal judiciary and the Supreme Court and blithely conform under the slogan, the courts have ruled, all we can do is obey. And that's an absolute lie. It's a lie to our form of government. It's a lie concerning duty as revealed in Holy Scripture. And those groups and people who claim to be for the preborn parrot that lie to everyone also. He's against abortion, but there's nothing he can do because the Supreme Court has ruled, and we just have to continue our five-decade-long case fights in order to stop these little ones from being butchered in our nation. Interposition is their duty. It is the duty of the state, county, and local officials when you have a lawless federal judiciary. Interposition is their duty. Demonstrating the doctrine of lesser magistrates is their duty. 
Notice also the 11 tribes inquired. Verse 3, you see precious little inquiry to the slaughter of the preborn in our day, even less inquiry to the awful effects and consequence of homo sex upon the nation. The 11 tribes also investigated, verses 4 through 7, but you see precious little investigation of the slaughter of the preborn in our day, and even less investigation of the awful effects and consequence of homo sex upon the nation. The 11 tribes took immediate action. Verse 8, whereas the 11 tribes took immediate action to respond to that great evil, to that great injustice, no delay, knowing and demonstrating that evil injustice needs to be answered and rectified immediately. In our day, we have seen nothing but delay for the preborn for nearly 50 years now. We have seen nearly 20 years of delay to criminalize the filth of sodomy and the sodomites. Notice the 11 tribes didn't form a group and make millions of dollars off the injustice. Notice they didn't create a series of decades-long court cases while the evil continued. Notice they didn't say, well, that happened over in Benjamin there, so we're okay over here. None of that. They took action to stop the evil and render justice. Things do not bode well for America. The pack of sodomites are in our streets. The innocent blood of the preborn flows from America's death camps and drugstores, and the judgment of God looms upon this nation. We will answer. For the innocent blood. Chapter 21 is a chapter that deals with how to repopulate Benjamin because they so annihilated them, only about six or seven hundred Benjaminite men were left. And this is the awful consequence when you allow evil to fester to get down into a society and a culture. When it gets removed, it's a terrible thing. But a necessary thing. Now the men of Israel had sworn an oath at Mizpah, verse 1 of 21, saying, none of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife. This is an oath they had swore prior to going up to fight them. Then the people came to the house of God and remained there before God till evening. They lifted up their voices and wept bitterly and said, O Lord, God of Israel, why has this come to pass in Israel that today there should be one tribe missing in Israel? The judgment of God is a great and terrible thing. The suppression of evil is a necessary but awful thing when it's deep within a culture. They are weeping. What they did was right, necessary, needed, but they are broken. They are weeping. The same with Jeremiah the prophet. You remember him? He preached for 50 years of God's impending judgment, calling them to repentance. They refused. And when it came, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. And if you've never read Lamentations, it's named that for a very specific reason. He was lamenting just how awful the judgment of God is when he brings it. 
The judgment of God, the needed suppression of evil in the land can be grievous to the heart. It's painful in a way. It's like removing a cancer. Whenever a nation is destroying itself by living in rebellion to the Lord and his law and word, there are times of respite where the people do something right. This narrative is an example of a respite. They responded to the great evil, and now it's a time of weeping and brokenness, of rebuilding. Verse 4 says, So it was on the next morning that the people rose early and built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. The children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel who did not come up with the assembly to the Lord? For they have made a great oath concerning anyone who had not come up to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. So this was another oath they made prior to fighting the Benjaminites. Anybody who doesn't join in, we're going to kill them too. And the children of Israel grieved for Benjamin, their brother, and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel today. What shall we do for wives for those who remain, seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our daughters and wives? And they said, What one is there from the tribes of Israel who did not come up to Mizpah to the Lord? And in fact, no one had come to the camp from Yabesh Gilead to the assembly. For when the people were counted, indeed, not one of the inhabitants of Yabesh Gilead was there. So the congregation sent out there 12,000 of their most valiant men and commanded them, saying, Go and strike the inhabitants of Yabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword, including the women and children. And this is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has known a man intimately. Remember, they're living in days where everyone does what's right in their own eyes. They have this syncretistic faith a mixture of the lands around them and the law and word of God. So they found among the inhabitants of Yabesh Gilead 400 young virgins who had not known a man intimately, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. Then the whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin who were at the rock of Rimon and announced peace to them. So Benjamin came back at the time, and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive, of the women of Yabesh Gilead, and yet they had not found enough for them, still about 200 short. And the people grieved for Benjamin because the Lord had made a void in the tribes of Israel. Then the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do for wives, for those who remain, since the women of Benjamin have been destroyed? And they said, There must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin that a tribe may not be destroyed from Israel. However, we cannot give them wives from our daughters. For the children of Israel have sworn an oath, saying, Cursed be the one who gives a wife to Benjamin. Then they said, In fact, there is a yearly feast of the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Bethel on the east side of the highway, that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south of Labona. Therefore they instructed the children of Benjamin, saying, Go lie and wait in the vineyards and watch. And just when the daughters of Shiloh come out to perform their dances, then come out from the vineyards, and every man catch a wife for himself, the daughters of Shiloh, then go to the land of Benjamin. Then it shall be when their fathers or their brothers come to us to complain that we will say to them, Be kind to them for our sakes, because we did not take a wife for any of them in the war, 
For it is not as though you have given the women to them at this time, making yourselves guilty of your oath. So the way they're getting away with this, or getting around this, is they're like, you just steal these women and head off into your, the hill country back where you came from. Yes, this is probably one of the lowest points of Israel's history. Crazy. And the children of Benjamin did so. They took enough wives for their number from those who danced, whom they caught. Then they went and returned to their inheritance, and they rebuilt the cities and dwelt in them. So the children of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and family. They went out from there, every man to his inheritance. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eye. And that's the end of the book of Judges. Let's stand up. We'll close in a word of prayer. Father, we rejoice in you and thank you for this time that we've had in your word. And Lord, we ask and pray that we did learn from it. And Lord, we ask and pray that you would be glorified in what was preached here today. Father, may each one of us live right by you. May we do right by you in our private lives. And Lord, may we prod our magistrates in our public life, demanding of them that they do right against the evils that are going on in our nation. We know that you are just, and your justice will not sleep forever. We know in your kindness and goodness you have brought judgments against our nation already. And yet they continue in the evil and filth, murdering innocent people, parading the sin of Sodom down the streets of our country, all beckoning for your righteous judgment upon our land. And Lord, we just ask and pray that we put our time and effort to do right by our homes and do right by our nation. And most of all, Lord, to do right by you. Calling men to repentance, calling the governments of men to account and to proper duty. Be glorified, I pray, Father, through the lives of your people. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.